Welcome back to Two Crees in a Pod. We are in season five, episode seven, and uh, we have a fellow res girl with us today, <laughs> and uh, we're really excited about that. Um, we're looking forward to this conversation. So uh, Mallory Yongwei is going to be joining us, and uh, we're going to invite you, Mallory, to introduce yourself first in whichever way you would like, and then we'll dive into some some talk. Awesome. Wow. Mallory Yongwei and Sigasun. Peter Jackson, Egwa, Teresa Anderson, so I'm from Saddle Lake Cree Nation, across the, the lake from Terry, <laughs> Peter Jackson's daughter, so everybody knows him, and I live under his shadow. <laughs> Literally, he's like six foot six. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yeah, my dad's. Oh. Taller the trees, taller the crees. Yeah, that's right. Did you hear that? <laughs> taller the trees, taller the crees. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was in Kainai once and they were like, uh, excuse me, you must be part Blackfoot. <laughs> I was like, uh. That's true too. Yeah. 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 I remember um I I remember Mallory when she was she was younger. Uh and so she used to um hang out with my younger brother Joel. Mm. And so they were in the cadet program. Um, but I remember, I remember you from, from many years ago. And so I'm, you know, let's talk about what you're doing now. Uh, cause you've been doing some really amazing things. Uh, you're a graduate, you're an alumni from McEwen University, uh, with a bachelor, you do, you graduated with a bachelor of commerce. Uh, and so maybe share with our folks what you're doing now. Oh, what am I not doing? <laughs> uh, so I guess back up to post-pandemic. So when I actually, before the pandemic, I graduated in 2018 from the supply chain program here at the School of Business. I did two years of IB, international business, but uh, switched to supply chain because obviously our people are the original supply chain of this country. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to reestablish that. Did you guys hear that? (laughs) Say it again. One more time for everybody. Indigenous people are the architects of a vast trading network that spanned the entire continent prior to colonization. So we're just about reclaiming this space and reestablishing the systems that we already had uh, prior to colonization. So in business and in community and so many, so many ways. So I went into supply chain knowing that our people stood there before. I was the only Indigenous grad in you know, 432 graduates of my class, only Indigenous one wearing that blue stole from Kiki Watson, um, stood out like a sore thumb, but I was the only one to get a big hug from, from our friend, um, Roxanne Tatusa. So that was really, mm. really special. But, um, so, uh, I graduated, I went to disaster recovery and, um, learned a little bit about the disasters that the government had to help kind of fund. Southern Alberta flood was one of mine. And it washed out like Siksika and mm-hmm. uh, oh, just it was so terrible. So it was a really big eye opener for me that I got to reconcile um, a disaster relief fund for three hundred forty-five million dollars. I did that in my internship, and wow! And because it was our own people, and I was like, these people don't have houses; they're living in like moldy, moldy houses. Anyways, but it was it was um, pretty incredible to be on that file. Um, and then I transitioned over to Alberta Infrastructure, where we got to build schools and hospitals, and I used to hire the prime consultants to do that work, and it was super fun, but also not my passion, but mm-hmm. switched gears, pandemic hit, and then I was home. Um, there was a pitch contest for an, an Indigenous 
uh, fund uh, through New Relationship Trust, and they were going to give five grand to 20 Indigenous entrepreneurs who were ready and willing to start a business within the next four months. And it was like their end of the year dollars, right? <laughs> the scraps. <laughs> Take we can get. Here. <laughs> and so uh, we wrote the business plan. I actually told my husband about it, and he said, okay, when's the deadline? I said, Monday. <laughs> and so we wrote the business plan on the weekend. They extended the deadline for two weeks, and we took it back and reworked it. And Indigenous Box is like, it's like a a whole bunch of different things like when we when I was writing my supply chain exam or trying to write my supply chain exam because um, it takes three years to do your designation uh, your pre professional designation so and the exam cost like five thousand dollars and I was like oh. government dollars I'm gonna pay for this and anyway so I was doing like my courses on the side of my desk sort of thing on my own dime and then I did a, a raffle for a bunch of products. Called, we called it the Auntie Box. And all my aunties bought tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute. And so it had really cool stuff in it, like Cheekbone Beauty. And it had like, you know, Res Life hoodies. And I was even beating through the pandemic just to keep my anxiety down. And I put some earrings in there that mm -hmm. I made. And it was really sweet. Like, it was... Um, all of my aunties started coming together to be like, how can we help you like write this exam? Because everybody, mm. you know, was invested in my, my mm. school career, right? So, yeah. And then that was the birth of Indigenous Box. We got <laughs> uh, the $5,000 grant on my birthday in February 24th, and we stuck to our plan. March 3rd, we were incorporated. March 14th, which was my late Kukum's birthday, mm. sort of a tribute to her, uh, we launched our first... Um, our first offering and, and people didn't really know what we were doing either because we just put a blank timer I just did a coding class with Google and then we put a, a blank timer on a basic HTML website and people are like what's going on was it this a logo has a native woman on it and it's like like my face but she's also so many people that look like me right and so we put it up and as soon as we launched things were selling really fast we sold out in four days and you know, four is real sacred to us, right? <laughs> so I was like, this is a sign. My cocoons are here. <laughs> and uh, we didn't have, because we literally spent all of that $5,000 on that first launch. And so a week went by and we got the money from the first run of boxes and our margins were really tight, but we did a flip and we restocked, doubled the capacity that sold out in 24 hours. And so we knew that there, we had something really special and that we knew that we can like create a product that could also make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a light bulb moment where, you know, I come from helpers, we come from mm -hmm. helpers. Um, my dad, he's like a hunter. My mom is like, you know, just a caretaker and got a big heart. But so I was trying to figure out like, where can I be? You know, how do, how do I help? And so through business, I learned how to, fix the system so that we could, you know, bring our values into modern commerce. Okay. <laughs> Big story. I, yeah, you <laughs> know, no, me and Terry are fighting for the mic. Oh, I had it first. Uh, let's wrestle. Just hearing punching in the background. <laughs> You know when cats fight on TikTok when they the way they sound when they slap <laughs> slapping you know, this one's ready to slap me I, and and I don't know if Terry's question is similar but just share for a share with our our listeners about more about what is in an indigenous box yes. 
and um, and and where does it go? Oh my gosh, the possibilities for Indigenous products are endless. So. Uh, on the core of it, we buy products from Indigenous-owned small and medium enterprise from all across North America, and we put them together in curated collections and sell them to corporations and governments. Um, but on the on the bigger side, our big picture thinking, we're a social impact company driving economic reconciliation. We give corporations and governments the opportunity yeah. to work with Indigenous, grassroots Indigenous businesses. So we're indigenizing their supply chains by bringing our own mm -hmm. um, way of doing things into <clears throat> these spaces and we're introducing in the meantime introducing all of these makers innovators artists and entrepreneurs access to diverse markets globally so we're shipping to 27 countries around the world now wow. we became a multi-million dollar business literally like yeah. in our first year actually mm -hmm. we closed our first year at 1.3 million amazing yeah from that 5,000 amazing <laughs> Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Great. And that's like, that's a true testament to like the power of, of who we are, the legacy yeah. that we come from, the people that we come from, the teachings that we carry. That's like, this is all like, I always call it like, this is all like mm -hmm. ancient uh, traditions and, and ways of doing it is like trying to figure out how to help our people using the systems that mm -hmm. were thrown at us. And now we can manipulate them to our benefit. Sorry, I can go on about no, this stuff. No, it's so, it's so <laughs> good. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking still. About that social impact part. Yeah. No, I had the same question that you asked, Amber. Um, and, you know, we have um, at, here at Kiel Weston with uh, McEwen University, we've also purchased Indigenous boxes for our graduates. So mm -hmm. our Indigenous graduates who graduate from the university uh, receive one of Mallory's <clears throat> boxes. But I know that you've done some, and I've um, been a part of um, some events where we have, uh, we have spoken at together uh, with Indigenous youth. Um, and then they all get boxes, right? Mm. And so, like, just the, the the gifting that's happening through this through this company is really amazing. Um, and I, it's interesting because I was telling my daughter uh, Amaya, I was like, we're gonna do a podcast uh, this week with Mallory, and she, I'm like, do you remember Mallory? And she said, who's Mallory? And I said, she's a multimillionaire. <laughs> No she was does. like, <laughs> no, I was telling her that. I was like, she has this business. She's rich. You're just going to have more emails after this podcast asking for money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but... But I was telling her, I said, Mallory's who, because last June, uh, Mallory and I were presenting on the East Coast, um, and so she she offered to take care of Amaya while I presented, and so uh, Amaya got to spend spend the day with with uh, with her and her family, and so that was really good. But I, yeah, I was telling her that, and she's like, "Oh my God!" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, it's pretty amazing, you know, and the things that our people are doing mm -hmm. um, and how our young people are witnessing that. Because yes. we, and oftentimes like our generation, um, we talk about how we haven't seen ourselves in many spaces when mm -hmm. we were young. We haven't seen ourselves or people who look like us, uh, whether that be in university, uh, whether that be in different roles in leadership or organizations. And, 
you know, today it's, it's so amazing to see that we, we have that. Yeah. 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 That's why we created Indigenous Box and why we, we put my face on the box is because there's not, there's no other logo one that has a character that has her eyes closed. And it is, and it's a backstory. Like not many people know this story, but she has her eyes closed because we lead from our hearts. We already know the direction that we're mm. going. We don't need to like see it, right? Mm -hmm. And so like she gets to represent, she's, she's been on 60,000 boxes worldwide now, mm. uh, being able to represent in all these spaces. And it was from the very beginning, and I tell this story all the time, but our first box, uh, one of my cousins from back home, she bought it, and she has twin daughters, and they were unboxing on Facebook doing a live. The first thing her daughter said, she was like maybe six or seven, her daughter said, Mommy, that looks like you. Mm. And I just like, I was like, every time I talk about it, like I always get so emotional because mm -hmm. we didn't see ourselves represented in modern commerce in a good light. Yeah. And so when we created it, we we're like, I said, you know, we're going to make this promise to our community, to Indigenous people that we're going to represent us in such a good light mm -hmm. and not, you know, and, and have our own narrative, right? Mm -hmm. We've always controlled the narrative that the press comes at with us. My husband writes all of our press releases and he's there with every interview where the, you know, sometimes the media is trying to skew how they want me to answer or how they want us to fit in their, their narrative. But we wanted to make sure that we had control over that and that we can represent and so that young kids can come into these spaces and be like, oh, look, I could be a boss. I can own a multi-million dollar mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a start though, right? This is like, our parents are residential school survivors. This is, we're the first generation outside of that. And like, yeah. look at us, like our people are showing up. Yeah. They're taking that space. like just like unapologetically taking that space too and just like we're here this is what we do this is how we do it and this is how you're gonna have to adapt to how we mm -hmm. create these systems yeah. mm -hmm. and i and i keep going back to that to your um to your comment about you know social impact that you are not solely you know i mean yes it is a business and uh but the impacts that you can make mm -hmm. uh, you know within a business a profitable business is you know through that social impact and i keep going back to that around just you know and again you think about so for our listeners who have never bought you know anything that's ethically you know locally made uh -huh. um, by an indigenous person uh, my daughter she uh we we uh paid to have her first set of full beadwork for her regalia done and the beater is an amazing beater and did an amazing job. It's quite costly and rightfully so. Yeah. So when my daughter was wanting to do her second set for when she get, got into adults, um, I was like, okay, that's, I gotta, gotta start planning to save all this money now. And then she said, you know what, mom, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna teach myself. I'm gonna learn how to do this. And she did. And when we think about the amount of time and effort and prayer and tears and that goes into the way our, our people, you know, have crafted, you know, for all these years. And it again goes back to those very early teachings of how we used to craft our clothing, how we used to create everything, um, you know, with our own hands. And so I think about the social impact piece, specifically in relation to how the impact that you are also having on small business owners, people who are crafting with their own hands 
and have their own ideas and how that must support them in their I just think about the what's the business term for that Mallory the we call it snowballing in research but (laughs) (laughs) I mean like it's it's got a ripple effect anything that we do Terry is the director here. She has a ripple effect because she's employing Indigenous people here. Indigenous kids could come, Indigenous youth can come to McEwen and feel like they belong here. Like, that's a ripple effect. Totally. It wasn't until Terry started here that I started to be like, oh, wow, like, I actually, you know, there is a community here, right? Yes. And so that's a big thing. And, like, we carry these, this big weight but our communities are also doing that, right? Yeah. They're helping us navigate these spaces. When, like all of us know entrepreneurs, every single person, indigenous person in this country knows somebody or is related to somebody who's an entrepreneur and many of them are women. Yeah. Indigenous women, like the latest stats are that we're starting businesses nine times the national average. Our population rate grows, is growing five times the national average. And we have the youngest population segment in the country. Like just imagine where we're going to be in 10 years. Like that's, right. that's what we give people the opportunity to, to help protect with Indigenous bodies. Mm-hmm. We're not saying, look, buy from us because we, you know, you feel sorry for us. Like there's a (laughs) lot of companies that are, you know, they push that trauma button. You're pushing that buy button because for all the wrong reasons, we're still dealing with that. We don't have to sell that. Like our culture, our, the trauma that we've had to go through is not a commodity. Indigenous box came out on the other side and we're like, look, push that button because you want to buy into the future of what this could look like and tell all of those indigenous women that are starting businesses that they also belong in this space. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I think that like, I guess one of the questions that I have is that we have folks who are out there, um, who may be listening, uh, young indigenous people who want to start a business, um, or want to, uh, do something with, with, with the gifts that they have. Um, and so maybe, you know, is there any advice or, or, tools or resources that you would recommend for them? Number one, you don't need to go to university. We have suppliers, like our youngest supplier is nine. Our oldest supplier is 93. Hmm. And she never went to university. And so you don't have to. Like business comes naturally to us as Indigenous people. And so it's just about, you know, taking care of your craft, understanding your worth, One of the biggest misconceptions that we're up against is that Indigenous business is only handicrafts. It's only beadwork. It's only medicines. It's you know all of these things, these stereotypes that people think that we're not major contributors to to major infrastructure projects in this in this territory. That we're not major contributors to the economy. You know. Caroline Hilton talks about this hundred billion dollar economy, which some people believe are all—it's already here. Yes, you know, and so Indigenous people, we contribute to that. We're, and that's like, that's just a small like glimpse of what our people are doing because yeah. our communities are now just starting to open up, and they're like, hey, look at what we're doing. We're we're major contributors in this space. We're essential collaborators, and if you're not engaging with Indigenous businesses by this time in 2023, then you're missing the mark. Yeah. You're way behind. Smarten up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, smarten up. <laughs> I met, C- we, I call her C. Hilton. 
we, I was in a uh, indigenous innovators uh, incubator in, oh my gosh, how many years ago was that? It was an international indigenous innovations. It was at the Banff Center. And I met, uh, She's amazing. I met her incredible. And then, I mean, she, she blew my mind when we were there. And then I started learning more and more about her as we were friends in social media. And she's such a rock star. Yep. Such a rock star. She is. I've read her book like a bazillion times. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Anyway, I just want to shout out, shout out C. Hilton. We love you. (laughs) If you haven't read her book, it's called Indigenomics. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it in stores. You can get it at (laughs) indigenousbox.ca. Yes. Shameless plug. (laughs) Indigenousbox.ca. You could also get it directly on her website, which probably goes directly back into the work that she's doing. Yeah. So that's the bit. Always go to the source. Yeah. And, you know, and actually that's a good point. Indigenous Box, when we started selling other people's uh, work, we're distributors essentially. But I like to call it like we're like a 3PL, a third-party logistics company with benefits, a 3PL with benefits. We're, we get to like introduce people Mm -hmm. to indigenous businesses but we also let them know where you can find it Mm -hmm. you know if you're trying to connect with an indigenous business and if they don't have a website sure you can buy it at indigenousbox.ca but some people like them to go to their website and contribute directly to their business and like we try to bridge that gap which is a very different model than modern commerce right a lot of people are like it's comp- competition all the way. You're driving it to the bottom line, whatever. You know, like in an indigenous business, it's about community first and helping people absolutely grow. Because Indigenous Box too, we're we're not a typical company. Like mm-hmm. we can only grow as fast as our suppliers can grow, mm-hmm. and that's like it speaks to like my work in supply chain. Like a supply chain is only as good as its weakest supplier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like in Indigenous Box, we get to help those suppliers and help them build capacity. Mm-hmm. So what we do is like we it's beyond buying products. It's beyond mm-hmm. cost allocation. It's prosperity building at its core. And I it's think like that a, it's, like a, it's like a pawn shop. <laughs> third party. <laughs> sell it to the pawn shop. The pawn shop sells it. Old ways. Uh, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, like, that's You're like, this is a, like, <laughs> a lot of pawn shops. <laughs> so, also, stop selling your stuff to pawn shops. Yes, oh that's God. what I mean. You're taking over <laughs> the space. Yes, we had a supplier come to us and he was delivering something else from his cookum that we buy from and he drove all the way up from calgary to give it to us at indigenous box and i was like what's in all these boxes because i was helping him load in and he's like oh it's my beadwork i'm gonna go try to sell it at the pawn shop and and yeah. i was just like uh excuse me and he like brings it out it's fully beaded stuff and yeah. he like one that's a big also challenge for indigenous makers is that we undervalue every single thing we Uh do. So a lot of it is teaching our suppliers like, okay, so how much time did you put into this? Where did you source your raw materials? How much did you pay for your raw materials? What is your formula for how you're deciding what price that we're going to pay and how you're deciding what price all of the customers are going to pay? And I can guarantee you that almost every single one of them who's come to us is losing money because our people will give it away for free but it's not sustainable. So if it's not sustainable for us to buy it, then it's not sustainable for them to make it, right? So we want to make sure that they 
can sustain their families and you know sometimes pawn shops don't take that into account they're not they're gonna no. drive the price down really far so that you get nothing out mm-hmm. of it yeah. and we got to reclaim that space you yeah. know they profited off of our people for a long time and mm-hmm. it's time step it up entrepreneurs yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that one of the things that I'm hearing from you is really falls in alignment with Indigenous principles. Um, And so you're saying this is a different way of doing it. This is an Indigenous way of doing it. This is how we uh, work in community, how we serve in community, how we are ethical Mm -hmm. in the work that we do, um, regardless of whether it's a business, it's an institution, you know, and... um, you know, I was approached recently by uh, another Indigenous community um, about potentially the university offering a program within the Indigenous community. Um, and y- typically we would, you know, as in, in normal ways of, of working within business, we would um, start those negotiations and, and go in and, and potentially take this on, right? <clears throat> and one of my things that I... I was thinking as they're asking, I was that we don't necessarily have what they need front right now as, as an institution. Um, and so it was that third party of like introducing them to another tribal institution that has the curriculum that would be most suited for that Indigenous community. Um, and again, like sharing and collaborating and partnering on, on initiatives that ultimately are benefiting and benefiting our communities, yes. right? And so for me, it's like, well, we should have Indigenous curriculum programs uh-huh. within First Nations communities uh, rather than Western public yes. curriculum in our communities. And we talk about this a lot. We talk a lot about, you know, if you are in a position of um, leadership or management or coordinating within your community, your First Nations or your Indigenous community, um, how are you ensuring that you're bringing Indigenous people, first of all, people and resources and trainings and programs that that are going to benefit your community as opposed to bringing non-Indigenous resources? Because we have too much, and we see that happening way too much, uh, in our communities, and we really need to go back to the root of, of our own, our own, our own, our own ways, our own teachings, our own, our own knowledge systems that we have, um, and we're starting to see more of it. Mm-hmm. We are, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad that when I hear you speak, you know, that's I I see that it's not like a different way. It's like you are really running this business from an indigenous way. Of being and that's that's beautiful and that's why you're successful mm-hmm. <laughs> and why you have such amazing people and so I've purchased the box I remember I think I was like right when I see now I was like I gotta get this box I'm like I don't know what's in it but I gotta get the box <laughs> it was like I'm like I need to see and it was like this big production too with my daughters right we're like oh my god it arrived and yeah. it's like going through and and it was really beautiful to see things from people within my own community mm-hmm. who had created them mm-hmm. and across the country like mm-hmm. other indigenous people who had created these pieces and beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. pieces so and pieces with story attached yes. mm-hmm. and I think that that's you know when we talk about 
I, I heard you use the language of sustainability and I love that language because we talk about what is a sustain, what, what makes, what sustains a community because we know that colonialism has been able to sustain itself. Um, and so how do we um, change our understanding of what a sustainable community is or what sustains us? And it is those stories mm-hmm. that sustain us. Right. And so every time and I remember getting my first indigenous box and it was actually Terry who gifted me one. And I remember opening it and being like, oh, like, it's just it was exciting. <laughs> yes. It's exciting. It is. It's like and you're like, an indigenous woman. Right. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. It's yeah. like when you go to ceremony and you get a you get a gift, you just it, whatever it is, you don't even care whatever it is. You're like, <laughs> they gifted me something like that's pretty powerful. And yeah. like. That's what we wanted people to feel like. We wanted Indigenous women to feel like VIPs when they opened this because yeah. there's no product made for us. There's nothing that has us in mind but made by our own people. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we, all of these Indigenous makers, they're, they need champions. They need people yeah. that are going to say, hey, look at so-and-so. They had the courage to take risks to try to affect change for not just themselves and their family, but look at what they're doing for the community. Mm-hmm. They're making change for everybody. It's like it's a movement. Indigenous Box is not about products and boxes. It's about a movement of people coming together to create the future, where Indigenous people are seen as the major contributors, essential collaborators, and equal partners. So then that brings me to another question is, and Terry already alluded to this around resources and and uh, tips, tricks for for not just young people but anyone who wants to do this. Um, alongside that question or expanding on that, I think about what allowed you to do this. Mm. You know, what supports did you have in your life? What so it's not just the resources that we apply to, but what were the who were the people around you or what entities were around you that allowed you and actually gave you the opportunity to do this? Kihiwin, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You already know? (laughs) No, for real. Like, when I was eight years old, and that's where my entrepreneurial journey started. Mm -hmm. I was eight years old. My cookum picked us up. We ball-packed into her old Buick and went to Kihiwin Powwow. And I had baked a whole cardboard box full of cupcakes and sold them under the bleachers. And so... I'm a third from the bottom of nine, right? So, like, I always hid behind my sisters. They all had this, like, really mean Native woman face, and I don't have it because I have these big cheeks, so I would just, like, you know, hide behind them. And so I didn't really have a strong voice. I was very quiet and shy and, like, just happy to do that. And so I didn't have the confidence to ask people to buy my cupcakes. I would pass them through under the bleachers, and I sold them for 25 cents a cupcake. And these cookums and Muslims, they would buy from me, I don't even know if they ate it. <laughs> they didn't have to eat it. They gave me the permission and the belief that I could do whatever it is that I wanted to do. Hmm. It was then at Kahiwan Powwow, hmm. underneath the bleachers. Lots has happened underneath <laughs> so, bleachers at Let's Kihiwin talk about what have you I done? Wait later. <laughs> later. What have you Let done? Mallory, tell her a story. <laughs> we go off. Mike's a whole off. other. That's a whole <laughs> other <laughs> episode. Kahiwan Powwow under the bleachers. We gotta name it that. Oh, here's the name. Yeah. I don't want to know what you did on the <laughs> Cupcakes. Oh my gosh. What else, Mallory? Sorry. 
She's like, you guys are so rugged. <laughs> I love it. I love Resi podcasts. <laughs> but it was also people that like, people like Terry, people mm-hmm. like you who were already in these systems that gave us permission. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually very like, uh, I always say you have the courage to tell the people who gave you permission, who inspired mm-hmm. you, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because we don't hear it. Like I, I got to meet Jen Harper mm-hmm. um, in Toronto this week. And, and you know, like it's, it's like this colonial like mindset of like competition, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like people, you know, if you meet somebody that is making something, you should like be strong and like have this like, you know, stoic way about you. I'm always like, I love what you're doing. Thank you for taking up that mm-hmm. space because we don't hear that often. Right. Yeah. And so we always have to, it's, it's up to us to like stick together and figure out how we can move this forward for all of us Mm -hmm. and so I'm always a big champion of saying that you know always tell people who inspired you or who took up that Mm -hmm. space so that you can walk in that space with a little bit more ease than they had Mm. it's important right but lots of lots of people who gave me that permission and it's because of community that I can do this and actually I we're talking to Caroline Hilton about it um, and I, I said, you know, this idea of being a self-made person, a self-made businesswoman or whatever. I'm a community-made person. I don't, it's not, you know, it's not just me doing it. It takes a lot of people to make Indigenous Box happen. Our entire team, our entire community, all of the Indigenous women that have championed us so that we didn't have to spend a ton of money on marketing, they were the ones. They are our warriors who are putting forward the agenda to make Indigenous people the stars of of modern commerce Mm -hmm. right now. It's not me. It's so beautiful, it is. <clears throat> and I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And and I've told you that many times because mm-hmm. you um, are just doing amazing things, and 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 our little ones are watching you too. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for that. And um, as we are nearing a close, I'm just gonna offer you the opportunity if you have any closing comments or anything that you feel that our listeners uh, should know. One, I'm not a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) According to our kids, don't call and ask Mallory for cash. (laughs) Telling my kids, (laughs) oh yeah, she's a millionaire. (laughs) Just lying. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Auntie Mallory for twenty bucks. (laughs) All of a sudden, Auntie Mallory. Look, see her. Ask her. We made millions of dollars, mm-hmm. yes, but that meant billions of dollars back into the pockets of Indigenous makers. Yes. And so it's, you know, we're, we're sharing it. We're spreading the, the yeah, wealth yeah. because, you know, now we can, we can do this, right? We yeah. have the opportunity to do it. But, yeah, I'm not a millionaire. Even <laughs> people call me, oh, my gosh, somebody called me um, Indian country sugar auntie. I was oh. like, holy smokes. Sugar town. Somebody, somebody called me from uh, the reman asking me to fill up their commissary. I was like, yeah, they saw me in the news. And I was like, oh, my gosh, do I even know who this person is? And coll- you have a collect call from, hey, Auntie Mallory. Just get- <laughs> from the reman. Oh. Amber was listening. I just My number is... Them. 
she'll, she'll, she'll drop the number in the comments. <laughs> Holy crap, that's funny. But so there's so many things. Um, one of the things uh, that I want to say to people, if they're looking to get into entrepreneurship, just do it. You don't need to wait for something big to happen. You don't need to wait for when you get smarter at this or that. Just do it. The best way to learn about business is to be in business. And we all have those aunties and uncles who are helping and will champion you. Absolutely. Just do it. Yeah. And I think my biggest um, challenge, like in the last two years, seven months and four days that we've been in business, is my um, strive for perfectionism. I've had to really like let go of a lot of that to, mm -hmm. you know, to realize like, well, imperfection is the cost of speed and scale that we've had at Indigenous Box. But also my biggest failure, my biggest failure in general is avoiding to fail. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for people to know because everything is not perfect. You know, when, when we create mm -hmm. Indigenous Box, it's the image of the business mm -hmm. that we put out. Yeah. They don't see that on, you know, they see the duck sailing on the water. They don't see that I'm like moving my feet real fast to try to keep up, right? <laughs> Just that image of me. <laughs> but yes. it's, it's important. Like, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. The best part is, and like, and I say like, it's my superpower, is being able to challenge my own perspectives, being able to challenge my own way of thinking, and to mm -hmm. question ourselves every day. Because mm -hmm. if we're not here to learn, then like, what are you doing, right? Yeah. Every day is learning, and if it's a mistake, uh, you're going to learn through it, and it's going to be good. And you're going to come out on the other end smarter and tougher, and I mean, now I can speak to people. I don't have to hide behind my siblings. I don't have to hide under the bleachers mm -hmm. and kick you in. <laughs> it's a good place to be, Mallory. <laughs> just so rugged. <laughs> Okay, never mind. We're gonna end now. Um, and 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 thank you, thank you for, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I I know we're joking about it, but it actually is a really, it, it, it's a really profound um, part of your story, uh, where I think that a lot of kids and people our age and older can relate, right? Yeah. To to being either that sibling that's hiding behind the other siblings okay. or not having a voice or um, or selling, you know, little things that we made when we were kids and and having and having people believe in us at that age, you know, like there's one thing I've learned, you can't say no to a little kid that's trying to sell no. something, you know, <laughs> most people are like, amigo, buy from them, yeah. you know, and I think that that's where we see our Indigenous love yeah. is in those times where, again, mm -hmm. you know, like how many times do you see like even little kids selling lemonade, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, right away your heartstrings are like, oh, let's go buy some lemonade, you know, from those little ones. And so I think it's our kids that teach us yeah. about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, and it's our kids that are teaching us about how to how to hustle. Yeah. You know, and and like you said, that's our that's our way. Yeah. You know, imagine like all of our parents, like when we were little, like my, my dad would always hunt and sometimes he would, he still hunts. He's 70 something. <laughs> he won't say, <laughs> um, but he still hunts and he'll sometimes give away all of the meat yeah. and doesn't take anything home for us. And I used to always be like, dad, well, how come we can't keep any? And he's like, well, when you give to others, they're going to pray for you. And in turn, mm. 
you'll get more on your next hunt. And I, I carry that. That's what Indigenous Box does. The givers fare better than the takers. And mm. we bring that into that space. And so all of our cookums and Muslims, whenever you went to their houses, you'd always leave with something. Yes. Whether it's like they give you a hug and they're tucking five bucks in your pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or those real dirty scotch yes. mints at the bottom of the oh purse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they're still giving you something. But then they're showing you, look, our people are givers. And that's the answer. Yeah. That's what's going to build our communities. Mm-hmm giving people the opportunity, giving people the opportunity to work with us and an invitation to who we really are. That's, that's a big teaching in itself, and that's what we do with Indigenous Box. There we go, and that's <laughs> a perfect way to end. Uh, and so thank you so much, Mallory, and uh, we love you, and we're proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. They pushed us to this point Frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny Preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey Live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids Can't taste clean water A child born into a world Revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard So we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors Anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language When they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people That persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me If I go out shooting Experience our pain When our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.